Section 12 of Under Drake's Flag. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. Under Drake's Flag A Tale of the Spanish Main by George Alfred Henty. Chapter 11 The Marvel of Fire. What are those? Natives? exclaimed Tom suddenly. Ned looked steadily at them for some time. No, I think they are great birds. The ostrich abounds in these plains. No doubt they are ostriches. I suppose it is of no use our chasing them? Not a bit. They can run faster than a horse can gallop. During the day's walk they saw vast numbers of deer of various kinds but as they were sure that these would not allow them to approach they did not alter their course which was as nearly as they could calculate by the sun due west the sun was warm during the day but all the higher hilltops were covered with the snow if the worst comes to the worst ned said we must go up and get some snow we can make a big ball of it and bring it down with us in one of our sashes but i should think there must be some stream somewhere about the snow must melt besides these great herds of deer must drink somewhere late in the afternoon they came on the crest of a ridge there ned said pointing to a valley in which were a number of trees we shall find water there or i am mistaken an hour's tramp brought them to the valley through this a stream ran between steep banks they followed it for half a mile and then came to a spot where the banks sloped away here the ground was trampled with many feet and the edge of the stream was trodden into mud here eh, tom here is meat and drink too it is hard if we do not kill something or other here look at that clump of bushes where the bank rises if we hide there the deer will almost touch us as they pass to water and we are sure to be able to shoot them even with these bows and arrows but first of all for a drink then we will cross the stream and make a camping ground under the trees opposite the stream was but waist deep but very cold for it was composed of snow water shall we light a fire ned it might frighten the deer no i think it will attract them ned said they are most inquisitive creatures and are always attracted by anything strange a fire was soon lighted and after it got quite dark they piled up dry wood upon it recrossed the river and took their places in the bushes an hour passed and then they heard a deep sound in a minute or two the leading ranks of a great herd of deer appeared on the rise and stood looking wonderly at that fire for some little time they halted and then pushed forward by those behind and urged by their own curiosity they advanced step by step with their eyes fixed on the strange sight so crowded were they that as they advanced they seemed a compact mass those outside coming along close to the bushes in which the boys lay silently these raised their bows bent them to the full strain 
and each launched an arrow the deer were not five feet from them and two stags fell pierced through and through they leaped to their feet again but the boys had dashed out with their swords in hand and in an instant had cut them down there was a wild rush on the part of the herd a sound of feet almost like thunder and then the boys stood alone by the side of the two deer they had killed they were small the two together not weighing more than a good-sized sheep the boys lifted them on their shoulders rejoicing and waded across the stream one they hung up to the branch of a tree the other they skinned and cut up and were soon busy roasting pieces of its flesh over the fire they had just finished an abundant meal when they heard a roar at a short distance which brought them to their feet in a moment ned seized his pike and faced the direction from which the sound had come throw on fresh sticks tom all animals fear fire a bright blaze soon lit up the wood now tom do you climb the tree i will give you the pieces of meat up and then do you lift the other stack to a higher branch i don't suppose the brute can climb but he may be able to do so at any rate we will sleep in the tree and keep watch and ward as soon as tom had followed these instructions ned handed him up the bows and arrows and spears and then clambered up beside him as the fire again burned low an animal was seen to approach cautiously a lion whispered tom i don't think that he's as big as a lion ned said but he certainly looks like one a female i suppose as it has got no mane of course the lads did not know nor indeed did any one else at that time that the lion is not a native of america the animal before them was what is now called the south american lion or puma the creature walked round and round the fire snuffing and then with an angry roar raised itself to its hind legs and scratched at the trunk of the tree several times it repeated his performance and then with another roar walk away into the darkness thank goodness it can climb ned said i expect with our spears and swords we could have beaten it back if it had tried still it is just as well not to have had to do it besides now we can both go to sleep let us get well up the tree so that if anything can climb should come it will fall to at the deer to begin with that will be certain to wake us they soon made themselves as comfortable as they could in crutches of the tree tied themselves with their sashes to a bough to prevent a fall and were soon asleep the next day they rested in the wood made fresh bowstrings from the twisted gut of the deer cut the skins up into long strips thereby obtaining a hundred feet of a strong cord which ned thought might be useful for snares here too they shot several birds which they roasted and from whose feathers tied on with a thread-like fibre they further improved their arrows they collected a good many pieces of fibre for further use for as tom said when they got on to rock again they would be sure to find some splinters of stone which they could fasten to the arrows for points 
and would be then able to do good execution even at a distance they cut a number of strips of flesh of the deer and hung them in the smoke of the fire by which means they calculated that they could keep for some days and could be eaten without being cooked which might be an advantage as they feared that the odor of cooking might attract the attention of wandering indians the following morning they again started keeping their backs as before to the sun look at these creatures tom said suddenly as a herd of animals dashed by a short distance they do not look like deer no they look more like sheep or goats but they have much longer legs i wonder where they can be during the day's journey they came across no water and by the end of the tramp were much exhausted we will not make a fire to-night said ned we must be careful of our powder i don't want to be driven to use sticks for getting fire it is a long and tedious business we will be up at daybreak to-morrow and will push on till we find water we will content ourselves for to-night with a bit of this smoked venison they found it dry work eating this without water and soon desisted gathered some grass to make a bed and were asleep a short time after it became dark they were now in an open district not having seen a tree since they started in the morning and they had therefore less fear of being disturbed by wild beasts they had indeed talked of keeping watch by turns but without a fire they felt that this would be dull work and would moreover be of little avail as in the darkness the stealthy tread of a lion would not be heard and they would therefore be attacked as suddenly as if no watch had been kept if he should announce his coming by a roar both would be sure to awake quickly enough so lying down close together with their spears at hand they were soon asleep with the happy carelessness of danger peculiar to youth with the first streak of daybreak they were up and on their way until midday they came upon no water the only excitement being the killing of an armadillo then they saw a few bushes in a hollow and making towards it found a small pool of water after a hearty drink leaves and sticks were collected a fire made and slices of the smoke deer's meat were soon broiling over it this is jolly tom said i should not mind how long i tramped if we could always find water and have venison to eat with it ned added laughing we have got a stock to last a week that is a comfort and this armadillo will do for supper and breakfast but i don't think we need fear starvation for these plains swarm with animals and it is hard if we can't manage to kill one occasionally somehow or other how far do you think it's across to the other coast i have no idea ned said i don't suppose any englishman knows although the spaniards can of course tell pretty closely we know that after rounding cape horn they'll sail up the coast northwest or in that direction so that we have got the base of a triangle to cross but beyond that i have no idea whatever hello simultaneously the two lads caught up their spears and leaped to their feet well might they be alarmed for close where a party of some twenty indians 
who had quietly and unperceived come down upon them they were standing immovable and their attitude did not betoken hostility their eyes were fixed upon them but their expression betrayed wonder rather than enmity lay down your spear again tom ned say let us receive them as friends dropping their spears the lads advanced a pace or two holding out their hands in token of amity then slowly step by step the indians advanced they look almost frightened ned said what can they be staring so fixedly at it is the fire ned exclaimed it is the fire i do believe they have never seen fire before it was so as sir francis drake afterwards discovered when landing on the coast the patagonian indians at that time were wholly acquainted with fire when the indians came down they looked from the fire to the boys and perceived from the first time that they were creatures of another color from themselves then simultaneously they threw themselves on their faces they believe that we are gods or superior beings of some kind ned said they have clearly never heard of the spaniards what good fortune for us now let us reassure them so saying he stooped over the prostrate indians patted them on the head and shoulders and after some trouble he succeeded in getting them to rise then he motioned them to sit down round the fire put on some more meat and when this was cooked offer a piece to each tom and himself setting the example of eating it the astonishment of the natives was great many of them with a cry dropped the meat on finding it hot an excited talk went on between them presently however the man who appeared to be the chief set the example of carefully tasting a piece he gave an exclamation of satisfaction and soon all were engaged upon the food when they had finished ned threw some more sticks on the fire and as these burst into flames and then consumed away the amazement of the natives was intense ned then made signs to them to pull up some bushes and cast on the fire they all set to work with energy and soon a huge pile was raised on the fire at first great volumes of white smoke only poured up then the leaves crackled and presently a tongue of flame shot up rising higher and higher till a great bonfire blazed away far above their heads this completed the wonder and awe of the natives who again prostrated themselves with every symptom of worship before the boys these again raised them and by signs intimated their intention of accompanying them with lively demonstrations of gladness and welcome the indians turned to go pointing to the west as the place where their abode lay we may as well leave our bows and arrows ned say their bows are so immensely superior to ours that it will make us sink in their estimation if they see that our workmanship is so inferior to their own the indians who were all very tall splendidly made men stepped out so rapidly that the lads had the greatest difficulty in keeping up with them and were sometimes obliged to break into a half trot seeing which the chief said a word to his followers 
and they then proceeded at a more reasonable rate it was late in the evening before they reached the village which lay in a wooded hollow at the foot of some lofty hills the natives gave a loud cry which at once brought out the entire population who ran up and gazed astonished at the newcomers the chief said a few words when with every mark of awe and surprise all prostrated themselves as the men had before done the village was composed of huts made of sticks closely intertwined and covered with the skins of animals the chief led them to a large one evidently his own and invited them to enter they found that it was also lined with the skins and other were laid upon the floor a pile of skins served as a mat and bed the chief made signs that he placed these at their disposal and soon left them to themselves in a short time he again drew aside the skin which hung across the entrance and a squaw advanced evidently in deep terror bearing some raw meat ned received it graciously and then said to tom now we will light a fire and astonish them again so saying the boys went outside picked up a dry stick or two and motioned to the indians who were gathered round that they needed more the whole population at once scattered to the grove and soon a huge pile of dead wood was collected the boys now made a little heap of dry leaves placed a few grains of powder in a hollow at the top and the flint and steel being put into requisition the flame soon leaped up amid a cry of astonishment and awe from the women and children wood was now laid on and soon a great fire was blazing the men gathered round and sat down and the women and children gradually approached and took their places behind them the evening was cold and as the natives felt the grateful heat fresh exclamations of pleasure broke from them and gradually a complete babel of tongues broke out then the noise was hushed and a silence of expectation and attention reigned as the lads cut off slices of the meat and spitting them on pieces of green wood held them over the fire tom made signs to the chief and those sitting around to fetch meat and followed their example some of the indian women brought meat and the men with sharp stone knives cut off pieces and stuck them on green sticks as they had seen the boys do then very cautiously they approached the fire shrinking back and exhibiting signs of alarm at the fierce heat it threw out as they approached near to it the voice however reassured them and they presently set to work when the meat was roasted it was cut up and distributed in little bits to the crowd behind all of whom were eager to taste this wonderful preparation it was evident by the exclamations of satisfaction that the new viand was an immense success and fresh supplies of meat were soon over the fire an incident now occurred which threatened to mar the harmony of the proceedings a stick breaking some of the red-hot embers scattered around one rolled close to ned's leg and the lad with a quick snatch caught it up and threw it back upon the fire seeing this 
a native near grasped a glowing fragment which had fallen near him but dropped it with a shriek of astonishment and pain all leaped to their feet as the man danced in his agony some ran away in terror others instinctively made for their weapons and gesticulated and yelled ned at once went to the man and patted him assuringly then he got him to open his hand which was really severely burned then he got a piece of a soft fat and rubbed it gently upon the sword and then made signs that he wanted something to bandage it with a woman brought some large fresh leaves which were evidently good for hurts and another a soft tongue of deer hide the hand was soon bandaged up and although the man must still have been in severe pain he again took his seat this time at a certain distance from the fire this incident greatly increased the awe with which the boys were viewed as not only had they the power of producing this new and astonishment element but they could unhurt take up pieces of wood turned red by it which inflicted terrible agony on others before leaving the fire and retiring to their tent the boys made signs to the chief that it was necessary that someone should be appointed to throw on fresh wood from time to time to keep the fire alight this was hardly needed as the whole population were far too excited to think of retiring to bed after the lads had left they gathered round the fire and each took delight in throwing on pieces of wood and in watching them consume and several times when they walked during the night the boys saw by the bright light streaming in through the slits in the deerskin that the bonfire was never allowed to wane in the morning fresh meat was brought to the boys together with raw yams and other vegetables there were now other marvels to be shown ned had learned when with the negroes how to cook in calabashes and he now got a gourd from the natives cut it in half scooped its contents out and then filled it with water from the stream he then got a number of stones and put them into the fire until they became intensely hot then with two sticks he raked them out and dropped them into the water the natives yelled with astonishment as they saw the water feast and bubble as the stones were thrown in more were added until the water boiled then the jams cut into pieces were dropped in more hot stones added to keep the water boiling and when cooked the jams were taken out when sufficiently cooled the boys distributed the pieces among the chiefs and again the signs of satisfaction showed that cooked vegetables were appreciated other jams were then cut up and laid among the hot embers to bake after this the boys took a few half-burned sticks carried them to another spot added fresh fuel and made another fire and then signed to the natives to do the same in a short time a dozen fires were blazing and the whole population were engaged in grilling venison and in boiling and baking yams the boys were both good treachermen but they were astounded at the quantity of food which the patagonians disposed of by night-time the entire stock of meat in the village was exhausted 
and the chief motioned to the boys that in the morning he should go out with a party to lay a great stock of venison to this they made signs that they would accompany the expedition while the feasting had been going on the lads had wandered away with two of the indian bows and arrows the bows were much shorter than those to which they were accustomed and required far less strength to pull the wood of which the bows were formed was tough and good and as the boys had both the handiness of sailors and like all lads of that period had some knowledge of bow-making they returned to the camp and obtained two more of the strongest bows in the possession of the natives then they set to work with their knives and each taking two bows cut them up fitted and spliced them together the originals were but four feet long the new ones six the halves of one bow formed the two ends the middle being made of the other bow double the pieces were spliced together with deer sinews and when after some hours work they were completed the boys found that they were as strong as tough as the best of their home-made bows and required all their strength to draw them to the ear the arrows were now too short but upon making signs to the natives that they wanted wood for arrows a stock of dried wood carefully prepared was at once given them and of these they made some arrows of the regulation cloth yard length the feathers fastened on with the sinews of some small animals were stripped from the indian arrows and fastened on as were the sharp pointed stones which formed their heads and on making a trial the lads found that they could shoot as far and as straight as with their own familiar weapons we can reckon on killing a stag if he will stand still at a hundred and fifty yards ned said or running at a hundred don't you think so well six times out of seven we ought to at any rate tom replied or our devonshire archership has deserted us when they heard therefore that there was to be a hunt upon the following day they felt that they had another surprise for the natives whose short bows and arrows were of little use at a greater distance than fifty yards although up to that distance deadly weapons in their hands End of chapter eleven recorded by gabby cowan april two thousand fourteen wherefore means dot blogspot dot ca